for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoye Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. One more round with me. We've got Anthony Samaroff joining us in a bit. 7pharmamyths.com is his website. He's got a free ebook about 70 pages you can download, which is pretty good. Um, just if, if you go to the website, uh, I also forgot he's got a Substack and um yeah, what, what's going on in the world? Uh, th- this was, I think, important news coming out of uh, Russia. This is from Ed- Edward Slavsquad, R- Riley Wagaman. A farewell message from convicted extremist Igor Strelkov. Uh, disgruntled telegram terrorist commits final act of hate speech. So Igor Strelkov basically is um, he's a Russian patriot, and the Russian government is now putting him away. And the point here, again, is that... All our governments are pretty much the same mafia. There's folks in the West who have this grass is greener attitude, or you know, Putin and 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 the Kremlin. It's like, no, they're, they're you know, we've got our J- Julian Assange. They've got their Igor Strel- Strelkov, you know. And uh, Riley here, he writes, he writes on January 25th. That's yesterday, which happens to also be Zelensky's birthday. Igor Strelkov, who warned three months before his arrest that quote those who have transferred their capital and their loyalty to the west he's talking about in russia continue to reign remain in power in russia and seek direct collusion with the enemy end quote uh, he was sentenced to four years in prison after a secret trial in moscow proved and uh riley is being sarcastic here proved beyond a reasonable doubt that he was a dangerous extremist uh, Strelkov is a small-time blogger of little to no consequence who has committed numerous crimes against the Russian state, including asking questions and trying to participate in the presidential election. It's about time this monster did hard labor. So, yeah, pretty much. Uh, he, he's he's pessimistic on the Russian scenario. He says that... Um, uh, I lost it here. He says that the so-called Ukraine does not care about its owners and never has. The simultaneous collapse of the Russian Federation and Ukraine is perhaps the most desirable scenario for the collective West. Uh, Also, some more uh, geopolitical news. The U.S. to station nuclear weapons in U.K. to counter threats from Russia. The U.S. is planning to station nukes in the U.K. for the first time in 15 years as the threat from Russia increases. Pentagon documents seen by the Telegraph reveal procurement contracts for a new facility at RAF Lacken Heath in Suffolk confirmed the U.S. intends to place nuclear warheads three times the strength of the Hiroshima bomb at the airbase. Let's get this party started. Meanwhile, Russian troops begin Burkina Faso deployment to bolster security, right? Quote, bolster security. Russia bolstered its influence in the troubled Sahel region of West Africa with about 100 military personnel uh, arriving in Burkina Faso, the first largest, uh, first large deployment in that nation. Um, the troops, the initial contingent of a planned force three times that size will provide security for the president of the country's military regime that's interesting also china russia disguise attack threats posed by their satellites china and russia have launched satellites that are meant to inspect and repair other spacecraft 
but could be used to attack U.S. assets. According to a Space Force report, the, the, the dual-use nature of some spacecraft, such as the Chinese satellites, uh, Xijian 17 and 21, make counter-space tests or hostile activity difficult to, to, to detect, attribute, or mitigate. Um, in the file of uh, Empire in Decline folder here, it says Marines can't count on Navy ships to carry them to global emergencies. One of the service's top generals uh, has uh, said. So, yeah, just more, you know, you look, look how the rebels are beating us in the Red Sea. And um, it says here, the lack of amphibious ship availability has created significant scar tissue for the Marine Corps over the last two years. Not good. Meanwhile, what what's this Kim Jong-un guy up to? U.S. officials have warned that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un could take some form of lethal military action against South Korea in the coming months, though they don't see an imminent risk of a full-blown war on the Korean Peninsula. Their forecast came amid growing concerns about the possibility of North Korean provocations, so on and so forth. Also, Ian Ellis on Twitter, popular account, says the escalation of long-standing Sino-Philippine tensions raises the possibility of a crisis or conflict. In 2023, China increased pressure on the Philippines to abandon one of its outposts in the South China Sea and tried to deny access to parts of its exclusive economic zone. So we see flashpoints all over the place. And Sal, Sal Mercogliano on Twitter as well, a good, uh, excellent account. He says the turning around of the U.S. flagged container ships, Maersk, Detroit and Chesapeake should be a warning sign for the Department of Defense. This indicates that even ships with the U.S. flag can be thwarted by the Houthi. Uh, so, yeah, not good. Also, dr drone attack targets uh, Israeli Ashdod port. Uh, so, basically, um, sources in Iraq report that a drone strike targeted an Israeli site in the Ashdod port and the occupied Palestinian territories. So, escalation everywhere, um, pretty much. Uh, Tucker Carlson just interviewed uh, Governor Abbott. Um, who he, he told Tucker he's not backing down. He expects red states to circle wagons um, and Trump, I guess, to be elected in November. And I'll end on this quote from past TNT guest Tom Luongo, who, who says, the question I have is, who is in control of the escalation framework here, Texas or the federal government? If it's Texas, then they can keep securing the border and pr proving that when push comes to shove, federalism returns to the public conversation. If it's the federal government, then given who we're dealing with here, expect every ridiculous escalation you can imagine. We're talking about people trying to ban Trump from the ballot over a riot on Capitol Hill, less embarrassing than what the French do in Paris over a holiday weekend, and which most people believe was a false flag event, and they would be correct. Do you really think they wouldn't deny Texas their vote at an electoral college they don't even like? And uh, with that, if you enjoy listening to TNT and think we're doing a fantastic job, uh, do let us know. Leave a positive review, comment on Facebook, Gab Getter. Uh, you can re you can review our Facebook page, uh, the TNT TNT and Apple Podcast, Spotify. You can rate us there. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. On Thursday, George Carlin's estate 
filed a lawsuit in the California federal court taking legal action against the creators of a comedy special that used generative artificial intelligence to replicate the late comedian, comedian's voice and humor style without consent or compensation. Here with the story, joining me once again, continues producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Servori. Uh, it feels like this is something that you and I saw coming, right? Um, I'm guessing this is this up oh, here. We are. This is this is wild. Um, who no putting the genie back in this bottle now is there? So yes, Carlin's estate are su they're suing the creators of this uh, AI version of the comedian. They said that it's quote not the beautiful human who defined his generation end quote, but rather a quote poorly executed facsimile end quote. Uh, the lawsuit was filed late Thursday in a federal court in Los Angeles in which the estate of the comedy legend, including his daughter Kelly Carlin, alleged that the online company, uh, the online media company, excuse me, they're called Dudesy, D-U-D-E-S-Y, like dudes with a Y at the end. Uh, they So they alleged that they violated the politically charged comics right to publicity and copyright infringement. Dudesy, run by Will Sasso, remember him, and Chad Kultgen, Kultgen, I don't know who that is. Uh, they released an hour-long audio comedy, quote-unquote, special earlier this month. The name of the special, interestingly enough, was George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead. I'll give them points for that one because that sounds like something George Carlin would approve of. Anyway, uh, in the introduction to the special, posted on YouTube, a, quote, unquote, comedy AI tells listeners, quote, I just want you to know very clearly that you're what that what you're about to hear is not George Carlin. It's my impersonation of George Carlin that I developed in the exact same way a human impressionist would, um, according to this thing, uh, quote, I listened to all of George Carlin's material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence and attitude as well as the subject matter, I think would have interested him today, end quote. Uh, in case you missed it, the uh, comedian, um, well known for lots of things, including the seven words you can never say on television. Uh, he passed away at the age of 71 back in 2008. The lawsuit accuses the team behind the comedy special of, quote, using Carlin's copyrighted works, end quote, to create a, quote, script for a fake George Carlin comedy special, to produce a, quote, sound-alike of George Carlin to perform the generated script, end quote. The suit says, quote, none of the defendants, defendants had permission to use Carlin's likeness, nor did they have a license to use any of the late comedian's copyrighted materials, end quote. Uh, according to the complaint, the special is not a, quote, unquote, creative work. Rather, quote, it is a piece of computer-generated clickbait which detracts from the value of Carlin's comedic works and harms his reputation. It is a casual theft of a great American artist's work, end quote. In a statement issued along with the lawsuit, Kelly Carlin said, quote, My father was a legendary comedian and a once-in-a-lifetime talent whose legacy is the body of work that he left behind, his actual performances, albums, and books. I understand and share the desire for more George Carlin. I, too, want more time with my father. But it is ridiculous to proclaim he has been resurrected with AI, end quote. 
Uh, wow. So there we have it, um, Hervori. We, I, I've heard you and Terry talk about this. I think I've even talked about this with you and Terry. This is just, like I said, here we are. This is it. What I mean, like, now what? What do you think about this? The American dream. You got to be uh, asleep to believe it, as as George would say. And it's funny, you know, during my time um, out I, in my outpost in Kazakhstan, I actually turned on one of my colleagues, co-workers, um, a Russian, Kazakh, Tatar, uh, became a huge fan uh, of, of George Carlin. So I, I was spreading the George Carlin gospel in Kazakhstan. But, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 th this policing of art. One thing that comes to mind, it's not fun uh, anymore. You know, I remember back in the day, everyone would just take from everyone and remake music and, and film and art and games and it was cool you know i i felt like that that's honoring these people by by doing that um number one and this whole estate stuff when you always hear about the estate you know like i'm just imagining if my father was george carlin or some figure like that i'd be like you know it's he's not here anymore I, we've you know we're, we're the estate we've made money from the resale of his material but it's just like i'd be kind of like yeah you guys do whatever you want have fun with george carlin um AI, because I'd feel like you're honoring him, you know, um, I, I don't know that that's sort of my view. And then th that brings in uh, into play as well, what you're talking about, these AI regulations, um, you know, there should be some rules, but um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about all of this? Well, you, you kind of make a point because what would be wrong with somebody, another human being doing an impression? Right, because that's how the, the the people who created this, the AI thing itself, uh, it refers to itself as an impressionist. So um, that's that's kind of interesting. I, I would doubt that the estate would be suing somebody if it was just another human being just doing an impression, because as you said, um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I believe is the expression. But apparently, we we, we seem to have an issue or take issue with this when it's artificial intelligence. Um, I kind of do too, because artificial intelligence and all this technocracy stuff frightens me. But you know, I've always been a bit of a technophobe. Full admission, full transparency there. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's kind of wrong in this case because this, we're talking about art, right? You know, an impressionist paying homage to somebody is one thing, but now we're talking about people making a ton of money, you know, possibly, potentially. So, you know, it's not like it's you can't get away with just like stealing a, a dead artist's piece of uh, like their their album or like. Yeah, I, I think they have they have every right to, to file their lawsuit, um, I'm saying, in this instance. But um, I think it opens up the door for the conversation. She was talking about she does she would like more time with her father. I'm curious, would she be down for a, a chat GPT version of her father that she just keeps for herself? Because that's where I think society is headed more towards we're going to be having like self, you know, our own private George Carlin's, as it were, you know, in the near future. Yeah, that's gonna get weird. I'm kind of like like you. I'm I'm kind of all this tech stuff. I mean, I've tried virtual reality, and I'm I don't. I mean, I could go tomorrow buy one of the VR goggles, and I'm like, no thanks. I like <laughs> I like the real world. Um, and also the question of you know how much do we have to how far do we have to go into uh, resurrecting these people with AI? You know, maybe it's just kind of better to leave. 
you know, go rewatch some of the old Carl Carlin shows uh, instead of doing the AI because then it starts to get kind of really, really weird. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, have a great weekend out there in Texas. Uh, Ruckus, let let us know when the Civil War uh, starts. Fire off a flare or or something. Uh, have a great weekend. We got Anthony Samaroff joining us right after this. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably, in terms of conflicts, uh, this many journalists have been lost uh, killed, injured in the whole of the Second World War, and that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping a hundred on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. <laughs> No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Joining us on the Rebel Transmission is Anthony Samaroff, a psychotherapist and economics journalist known for the book Universal Basic Income for and Against. He's been writing on the pharmaceutical industry and the corrupt economics of healthcare for years. You can get his free ebook, Seven Big Pharma Myths Debunked, from sevenpharmamyths.com. Com, his other websites uh, as well, be yourself and love it.com and his Substack, psychosocial.substack.com. He's on Twitter X, Anthony uh, Samaroff. How's life? Hey, it's great. I'm in Mexico. Are you still in Mexico? Yeah, I'm, I'm back here in Guadalajara. You're, you're, I think, on the West Coast, right? Of Mexico. I'm down in Ixtapa. I'm down in, so yeah, so yeah, West Coast um cool man i'm here i'm happy to be here and to rebel with you since we're doing some rebel radio yeah you haven't been kidnapped yet though right you're 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 okay well you know sometimes people say um if you're going to expose the pharmaceutical injury uh, uh, industry you should get some private security but um so far so good uh i don't want to uh, jinx anything but i guess uh if, if uh, I just want people to know that I've not got any plans to commit suicide or anything like that. Well, you're exposing a certain pharma industry. You're not exposing really the, the Mexican pharma industry, the, 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 the oh, narcos. Okay. So yeah, I think you should be okay, right? Oh, you're that's, exposing a good, the, that, that's a right? good point. Yeah, but if you know, know where to get any good narcos, let me know just by private message. Just All kidding. Right. Don't do drugs, kids. Either the narcos or the pharmaceutical variety. Yeah, and 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 before getting into your book, uh, I downloaded it today. Um, it's nearly, I think, seventy pages, and it looks really uh, good, really cool. But before getting into that, um, you're a bit of a man of, of many hats. I mentioned before, like a couple mm. years back, um, I went to this libertarian conference in in 
Sayulita near Puerto Vallarta, Clint Russell, I think it was Clint, Clint Russell, Mark Claire, you, yeah. you were there, James Guzman, um, others. And so that was fun. I think you spoke there. And so you touch on a different, uh, uh, you know, just for people to become more familiar with you, wh where's the the pulse on Anthony Samaroff? Because you, you, you you know, now you're looking at Big yeah. Pharma, but you know, what are some oh, of the things uh, that you, you look at? Philosopher, lover, yeah. I take a lot of boxes. That's true. Yeah, I guess uh, I've got a curious mind and I uh, a talent for writing, which I've uh, honed over the years to try and get better at it. Um, when I started at university, I started as a theatre critic. And when you write a theatre review, you need to develop a fast, punchy style because uh, you only get maybe 200 words. And you need to... Um, let's say, fit a lot of observations into not a lot of time. So when I became a libertarian, I, I noticed that a lot of the stuff that people were recommending that people read to get them into libertarianism uh, was a little bit um, heavy and academic and things like that. So I started writing articles, really talking about issues the same way that I'd write a theatre review. And people liked it. I got stuff published on Mises.org, Fee Foundation for Economic Education, here, there, and everywhere. And um, so that, that's uh, like my, my main job is I'm a psychotherapist, I'm a counsellor, um, and that kind of fuels my writing addiction. I guess after I, I was working on a bunch of quote a bunch of different projects, and I ended up focusing on the pharma stuff, I guess, because it seemed like the most important after the pandemic of BS and lies that the world had to tolerate for a couple of years. So there's some rebel radio for you. Indeed. And, and you know, just thoughts, you know, as we sort of, as they wrapped up in Davos, the whole Great Reset project, um, we were at the Greater Reset. How do you see the Great Reset, Klaus's Great Reset project um, advancing and all, all of the the different tentacles whether it's the vaccine passports that they were talking about they want to implement or the cbdc's and whatnot i have to believe that the good guys win and uh i think that this is a time to every everyone like for me i have got down and i have got anxious at times um especially when you consider that most people when you present them with new information they don't go, wow, I've never seen it that way before. Let me have a good look into that. Um, as much as we try to philosophize our way into reason. Um, and that sometimes gets a little bit worrying. Uh, once someone, here's a good anecdote. Someone posted on X, now X, formerly Twitter, what scares you more than anything else? And I said, the fact that people don't change their minds when you provide them with new evidence. And that scares me the most, by the way, Someone replied, um, "Yeah, that is pretty scary. But have you ever seen a snake? Which uh, that gets the that, that gets a the gold award for a funny comment. And that scares me because because seeing the light, well, being open to new information is how we correct errors. The whole liberal project of democracy was based on the idea that people can reason, therefore they can participate in government. It seems increasingly the case." that people can't reason. But when it comes to this kind of thing, as people get more and more sick, I think they'll be looking for alternative answers, and they already are. And um, that's why, even though it's easy to lose heart when you see the average level of consciousness of the 
um, individual. I'm a long-term optimist. Uh, one thing I know is if something can't go on forever, it won't go ever on forever. And the USA alone spends $4 trillion on healthcare a year now. Uh, and that can't go on. It, it's been getting more, more and more expensive, especially over the last 20 years. So if it can't go on, then it won't go on. I like your optimism. You, you spoke about that uh, at the Greater Reset. And when you say it can't go on, um, it's, it's not because people are just, you know, when they got to do medical work, they're coming down to Mexico. Uh, right. right exactly. Or I know, I know people, I know people in the U S you know, they got to, they had to get all entire new teeth and they're like, I'm going to do that in, in, you know, back home in Croatia or, or Mexico. Right. Like, and so yes, you can by get, four. Uh -huh. Yeah. You can get top class medical care soon. I, I wonder if there's some laws against this or something like that, because I have to tell you, I really do wonder why some of the insurance companies aren't remaining competitive by simply saying to people, look, we'll fly you out to a top clinic in Thailand, Mexico, Singapore, um, where you can get your operation done and throw in a week holiday on the beach while you recover. Because in many, many cases, that's cheaper than America's system. No, that, that is a great point. I mean, it's cheaper to fly out to Thailand to do your stuff than in the U.S. And I was shocked a few years ago, uh, you know, for our kid, we, we, our kid was born in our, in our house here and we paid like a thousand, thousand five hundred dollars maybe um, to the doctor. And my friend uh, some years ago told me in America, it costs it's the price of a car. I was like twenty thousand right. dollars. And of course, the insurance yeah. pays it if you have insurance, but twenty thousand dollars to to catch to catch the baby, <laughs> you know, that's, that's and, and, you, and, and when you say, yeah, when you say that the insurance company is paying for it, I mean, everyone's paying for it through their wages because these, um, these contributions are mandatory. So the government's do it. Well, they're not always mandatory, but the government's ha created massive incentives to ensure that, um, healthcare is paid for by insurance companies. And, you know, the very astute economist Milton Friedman says there's four ways of spending money. One, if I spend money on myself, then I'm particularly concerned with getting the best service at the best price. If my, I spend my money on you, I don't want to spend too much money. So I'd rather save money and have a worse service. If you're spending money on me, well, I mean, that's reserved. If I'm spending your money on me, then I'm going to opt for the best service, even if it's 10 times as expensive as a second service, it's not my money. And when you spend someone else's money on someone else, you're neither concerned with the quality of service nor the price of that service. And the government is always fated to be spending other people's money on other people. And so are the insurance companies. Uh, I mean, insurance companies don't want people with chronic illnesses on their rolls because that... Um, cost them a lot of money. So they're in some way incentivized to not have the best experts on in, in their registry. And in a sense, if they can deter people with chronic illnesses from signing up to their insurance service, then uh, they might actually take measures um, to do that. And people with those chronic illnesses do shop around. So if you're not really very good at creating um, Crohn's disease, then People who've got Crohn's disease are going to be shopping around and they'll say, oh, wow, um, people with Crohn's disease in this insurance company don't do very well. I'm going to try and find someone else. So there's all this health insurance hijinks happening. I, I never thought about it that way, but that that is an excellent point. I want to keep talking about Big Pharma, but first, the headlines.
Here we go again. All right, let's go. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Manhattan Federal Court jury on Friday ordered former President Donald Trump to pay $83 million in damages to E. Jean Carroll, an advice columnist. The family of Gloria Serge, an 85-year-old Florida woman fatally attacked by an alligator, has filed a lawsuit against Wynn Building Corporation, the owner of the Spanish Lakes Senior Housing Complex in Fort Pierce, where she lived. The International Court of Justice has issued an interim ruling demanding Israel take additional steps to minimize civilian casualties and preserve evidence in the ongoing conflict with Hamas and Gaza. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, we're back with Anthony Samaroff, uh, 7, pharmamyths.com. You can get his free ebook there. Uh, and, and just looking at some of the, the key points here, um, and it's really well put together, 67 pages. Thank you. And you, you talk about things like pharmaceutical medicine has made us much um, healthier. I think you must be um, getting there. No. Pharmaceutical medicine is, well, that's the myth, right? Pharmaceutical medicine is responsible that's for the, the, the disappearance of diseases like polio, tuberculosis, pneumonia, whooping cough, and measles. And I've gone down that rabbit hole many years ago where you see the graphs yeah. um, that these diseases were eliminated before the introduction of um vaccine right. well, let's start with let's start with those two points there this myth that pharmaceutical medicine has made us much healthier and then the vaccine issue um you know i'm a no vaxxer i'm not an anti-vaxxer mm -hmm. i'm a no vaxxer i just don't do uh, vaccines that i want nothing to do with them so um but uh, and i try to stay away as, as much as possible from pharma these days i or the the, the mainstream medical establishment you know conventional doctors right. hospitals i just feel healthier staying away from them and i don't really see any why do we have to go to them like if you feel okay um right. i don't have to go do you know and that, that's correct and um the research backs you up if you the more you go for routine now i people say philosophers of medicine say the regular checkup is really important the general checkup is really important for people's relationship with their doctor Okay, if that's true, then fix the general checkup. Because at the moment, the more you go for extra checkups and things like that, the more they're likely to overdiagnose you. That's like uh, taking your car to the mechanic. Which, you know, um, if he looks around, if he knocks here and there, he might find something that needs fixed, even if you've not got a problem. So if you've got a health complaint, by all means, consider consulting your doctor. The evidence behind routine checkups is not good. So um, now, as for pharmaceutical medicine making us healthier, I would first like to say what I do in this project. And this this book, the 67 pages that you've got, um, is kind of a reference book. It's excerpts from a bigger book that I'm writing that should be out quite soon. So um, this is an ongoing project, if you like. What you've got is the beta version. I use, I debunk mainstream medicine using ma mainstream sources. I don't go to like down weird, like I don't cite weird sources. Now, those weird conspiracy sources would be true. But the whole point of my effort is to say, look, the CDC admits this, the AMA admit this, top journals admit this, blah, 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 blah. What I do is I use the system against itself. So the Center for Disease Control and Prevention told us in 1999, as I quote in my book, 
But while the average lifespan of persons in the United States have lengthened by over 30 years since 1900, 25 years of this gain are attributable to advances in public health. So what we're talking about is clean water, better air, um, better housing, housing with heating, housing with air conditioning, um, all sorts. Uh, and and I'll, I'll go into the reads, right? If you, if you download the book from sevenpharmamyths.com, you'll get more details. This is stuff is echoed by Harvard King's College in London. And what, one of the things I like to quote is the American Academy of Pediatrics, because they're extremely pro-vaccination. So in 2000, the American Academy of Pediatrics published a study in their very own journal, which stated plainly, vaccination does not account for the impressive declines in mortality witnessed in the 20th century. But in fact, and I quote again, nearly 90% of the decline in infectious disease mortality among US children occurred before 1940. That is to say, long before most antibiotics and vaccines were even invented. So, because no one's going to tell me that the American Academy of Pediatrics are anti-vaxxers, that's uh, kind of one of the back of the neck quotes that I like to it's actually not in the in the free version uh, that you can download at sevenpharmamyths.com because I didn't come across that quote yet but it will be in and it will be in the up and coming paperback version of the book but I, I did find that journal actually you know I, I came across it after going down the rabbit hole of you know Dell Big Tree High Wire Robert Kennedy Children's mm -hmm. Health Defense Paul Thomas uh, vaccine friendly plan and uh, I, I found it I lost it and I, I lost it again I don't know if it's on my desktop somewhere or in a bookmark but that that's something mm -hmm. to keep to, to be able to whip yes. out when you, when you when you talk to people um and just Absolutely. my recent ex my recent experience regarding what you were talking about I was at the mechanic recently and they were suggesting I do a repair that would cost a thousand dollars that wasn't even necessary mm -hmm. and we're like yeah no <laughs> and then I had a sinus issue I go to the doctor I, you know, I did take antibiotics, but he wanted to drill a hole in my nose to do the sinoplasty. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah. How about, how about no? Uh, and I'm perfectly fine now. Like I'm, I'm fine now. And it, you, you realize that the root of the cause, the, the issues, you know, your immune system, um, your diet, maybe some supplements and not just drilling holes into everything. And that's pharma today. It's just, you know, what, what do they say? Cut, burn and po poison, you know, that's just, it's, Repeat, it's, it's, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, uh, what I like to say is a pill for every ill, a drug for every bug, um, DNA, sorry, chemo radiation for every mutation, a vaccine injection for every infection, and if in doubt, cut it out. That's their mentality. They're at war with the human body and they're at war with organisms. But the thing is, the more you learn about holistic health, the more you realize that your terrain, I'm sure you've heard the term before, what you put in your mouth hole creates a hospitable environment for infections or doesn't. You know, it's um, the, the condition of your body on the cellular level. If you're deficient in a, in a nutrient, um, that can cause lots and lots of symptoms, but no amount of pharmaceuticals will correct a nutritional deficiency. So the cells are going, I, I, I run on water drug, where's your water? I don't have any. 
I run on amino acids. I run on vitamins. Where, where are your, where are your nutrients? I don't have any. Where are your minerals? I don't have any. So why are you here, drug? Well, I'm here because the drug companies told me to be. Because the doctor was miseducated in the etiology of disease. Etiology means the origins of disease. So um, because the doctors in the indoctrination camps, which we call medical universities, where the textbooks are funded and written by pharma, and where if you try and do any research as a professor that's not favorable to the, um, the agenda, of the pharmaceutical companies, you'll likely lose funding. You'll probably be blackballed, like Paul Thomas, who you met, mentioned. I've done his show, by the way. Um, really heroic, heroic guy. He was he had his um, license to practice medicine removed because he practiced a study because uh, he because he ran a study. Um, of course, they didn't say that, but they did remove his license to practice medicine the day after the pub the study was published which indicated that the more vaccines that children got, the more health complaints they had. So it's very suspicious. Now, when you you look at these organizations like the National Institutes of Health, they control a huge amount of funding and they can withdraw that funding from universities. So, um, so you're, while your doctor may know a lot about anatomy, and so forth when it comes to the treatment of the kinds of diseases that we are likely to suffer from during our lifetime, uh, they're do not doing very well. Sky diabetes is skyrocketing, Alzheimer's disease is through the roof, autism is reaching unprecedented levels, obesity is off the charts, arthritis is endemic, cancer is epidemic, you're three times more likely to get cancer now than you were in the 70s, life expectancy has started to go down the rates of multiple sclerosis, lupus, asthma, migraines have all hit the ceiling. So get this. Despite the massive PR campaign and a century of being in charge of all of the medical universities, scientific journals, hospitals, public health institutions like the CDC, AMA, FDA, NIH, and the World Health Organization, writing all the textbooks for colleges and directing the untold trillions we've spent on medical research, much of it taken from the taxpayer at gunpoint, mainstream allopathic medical science has not been able to cure a single one of the major degenerative, metabolic, or autoimmune diseases that are likely to affect us during our lifetime on this planet. In fact, all of them have become more common. The, the the system has completely failed and and what you just mentioned you know one of the things for me that i think about are these doctors the people in the system like they're like drones or, or robots you know we, we used to go to a pediatrician and then as soon i i could see it in his eyes and in the secretary's eyes it's like when we said we're not interested in vaccinating because we're no vaxxers you can kind of see their the like their soul just sucked out like they are not interested in you any in, in you anymore it's like i think they see dollar signs in their eyes because paul thomas That's talks true. about it in his, in his book paul thomas said that like 80 percent of the uh profits that pediatricians at least in the u.s make come from vaccines you know uh and all yes. that comes with injecting vaccines and then um it's, they're incentivized it's just, right and so i don't understand these doctors you know i had a doctor on last week dr kim biss in florida who's a practicing physician she's great she's, you know, she's saying don't take the covid vax um uh, she, she's an example of an excellent doctor uh, but then you've got these doctors like you say 
they're not interested in nutrition or, or or vitamins like for me that makes no no sense do you think some of these doctors have a conscience that they wonder about this sometimes or it's the, the money is just more overwhelming one i think they try not to think about it two the medical education system is an obstacle course that only a certain kind of person would tend to be able to make it to the end of. It's a deliberate selection process. You need to be the kind of person that can work maybe a hundred hours during resident during residency for and by the time people have done that, they're burnt out. They don't want to fight. Um, the people who stay in are of a certain kind of character, which is this kind of like get it done, like blah blah blah. Um, it's not a it's a narrow passage, and it's deliberately so. And when and it's dehumanizing, and when people get to the other end of it, they've been working so hard for ten years, they've builds up debts, maybe $200,000 or more uh, of debt, and they want to get paid. So when the pharmaceutical company says, okay, you are obliged to do um, continual, continuing medical education credits, I call them continuing medical indoctrination credits. Because, for example, I've got a girlfriend in Mexico City who's a doctor, and she says, I never go to conferences that aren't paid for by pharma. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you? Think about it. You're going to go into your pocket to go to a conference, but you're obliged to get at least 50 hours in most states of continuing medical education credits. So given that you've been working for 10 years in a residency, uh, sorry, to get your medical license, you're burnt out, you've got $200,000 in debt or more. When they say, come to our conference, you're going to think, first of all, I need to. And second of all, I'm not an idiot. I'm not gullible. I've got a medical license. I know that Pfizer are going to try and sell me drugs. Um, I, I'm not that easily influenced. But the data, whenever studies have been done, shows very clearly that after doctors go to these conferences, their prescribing habits change. They're more likely to prescribe the drugs that are, I should say, advertised in those seminars which they go to gain their med continual medical so it's really really silly if you're going to have a system like it's it's silly that people don't see how transparently wrong this is like if you're going to have a system where i, I think something like continuing medical education credits is probably a good idea but how are you going to get an impartial authority to teach um to teach doctors like I, i've covered in my articles and my substack and whatnot if, incidents if wanna, anthony hold your hold your thought we got to jump to our break but i just sure. wanted to add like people you know whether you're in health or international relations like i am you should be genuinely interested in the topics and attending conferences that you're passionate right. about and i'm just thinking like the last year last year i went to half a dozen conferences in the u.s including mexico all on my own dime, spending thousands upon thousands mm -hmm. of dollars for the flights and hotels yeah. um, because I was interested in it. it. It's related to my podcasting, right. radio work, geopolitics. Right. Uh, and then, as you say, yeah. these people like, I'm not going to go unless the pharma pays me to go. That I mean, that's absolutely um, absurd. We're going to jump to our break. We'll be right back. Give me a minute. 
with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Not only does the government want to put Donald Trump in jail, the media doesn't want you to hear what he has to say. Take his victory speech after winning the Iowa caucuses this past week. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. MSNBC would not bring their viewers Trump's comments live after he won. Why? That is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. And this censorship of Trump by the media is exactly what the same media tells you Trump will do to them if he's elected. Wow. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. What do I love about riding? It's the thrill. The excitement. Riding gives me a sense of freedom. I feel so connected to the road. Riding is like therapy to me makes me feel alive. Love riding? Back off. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment here. Time flies with Anthony Samaroff. Go to 7pharmamyths.com. You'll get his free ebook, almost 70 pages on all the big pharma madness, the medical industrial complex check out also his substack psychosocial.substack.com anthony samaroff that's two m's two f's on twitter x uh and uh be yourself and love it.com um and your further thoughts on maybe like the alternatives you know if if big right, pharma okay. sucks the medical yeah. industrial complex uh is just not working People do seem to be, some people do seem to be disengaging from the system and going their own ways, doing their own research. You've got everything from homeopathy to natural alternative health, traditional medicine, you name it, just diet and exercise, not stressing, getting sun, you know, all this good stuff. And so uh, your thoughts on, you know, turning away from big pharma and then how to, how to then, what do we do to, to stay healthy? It's interesting life? because even, it's interesting because even according to mainstream sources, the vast majority of diseases are, especially long-term chronic diseases or lifestyle diseases. So as we've introduced more toxins and things like that into our, to more sprayed more pesticides and things like that, people are eating more processed sugar, more trans fats, the bad kinds of fats, um, you know, they're getting sicker. So, well, I mean, I personally have been, I, I mean, I've, I I used to be gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant and I'm not anymore. So that should, then what, again, another reason to have turned away from the doctors. I'd already been doing that. Um, I had skin conditions that I reversed. That's kind of one of the reasons why I went into this because as well as, you know, being fairly well versed in economics and thinking that I can put together the, the history of all this stuff. I had my own health problems, which I 
mitigated. One of the main tools, um, you know, obviously exercise and eat well, but like if it to reverse the process, like detoxification of the body, which is not really believed in mainstream medicine. But I mean, we can see that, um, but this is like kind of like silly, if you like, because every cell in your body breathes, eats, and tips the way that you do. So the idea is setting aside heavy metals and microplastics and all the other synthetic chemicals, which I also think that the body can need a little bit of help with reversing, uh, with, with pulling out of itself. And there are protocols for this. Just your cell, your cellular waste, if your body is creating waste more fast than you can flush it out, then, um, then, then you're, you're, you're creating a hospitable environment um, for microorganisms and you're, you're going to make, um, you're going to get sicker. That's your, these, a lot of these diseases are basically you rotting before you die. Like the, that's the, the grim reaper coming to take you away before you even die. So um, these are like most, um, uh, mainstream medicine thinks if they make the symptom go away, they're making you better. But a lot of the time the symptom is the symptom of like dysfunction, like, um, Obviously, if you've got running nose, that's your your body trying to get rid of things through the nose. When you get a fever, your all of your metabolic processes run faster at a higher temperature. So these are intelligent systems which mainstream medicine blocks up. Um, uh, we don't really want to get into like um, prescribing or diagnosing or anything like that on the online show. Um, people people looking for more information can contact me. Um, and get the ebook and send me an email. Um, I, Anthony, if yourself and love com, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm a counselor, I'm a psychotherapist, and I work online um, and I've been coaching as well. So, um, that be yourself and love com is sort of the where, where people go to get a consultation with me. Um, I'm also you mentioned Paul, Dr. Paul Thomas is the pediatrician who got struck off for. Um, running a study that showed that um, vaccines did more harm than good, basically. His collaborator on that study, James Lyons-Wheeler, has a website, um, ipok-edu, um, and I'm collaborating with him on a course on the economics of healthcare now, uh, along with the um, libertarian economist, Dr. Murray Sabrin, who's... Um, Quite legendary, and um, so we're we're we are working on proj on solutions, um, but uh, this is kind of like a little bit of a slow process. People, people, when, what in the book and the, the forthcoming book, I cover incidents of programs that were run that successfully reduced the number of heart attacks and diabetes. And they were stopped because they lost private hospitals' money. In other words, they were making more money for treating the diseases than running prevention. So that's what I mean when I say it's a slow process. Um, because under the current system, people need to just divest one at a time. Under the healthcare system of the future, which I mean to write about and investigate, so I hope people will um, stay in touch with me, stay in touch with my work, subscribe to my Substack and whatnot. Um, they should make more money when you get healthy than when you get sick. If I was your financial advisor and I told you, you I'll make more money when you lose money unless I kill you, 
you tell me to get a hell out, you get the hell out of my office, right? But the, the mainstream medical system is saying we make more money when you get sick unless we kill you. And that's interesting because economics tells us that every system tends to produce the results that it incentivized to. So they make the most money from treating chronic disease over a long time. And we've seen a massive rise in chronic disease. Coincidence? Uh, I'm not really a coincidence theorist. I think those are the incentives of the system. Go so with your with James, uh, Doctor James Lyonsweiler. Um, you know we're 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 talking about the um the the healthcare system of the future. We're trying to investigate what that looks like. So you could actually because it's one thing saying oh you have to take more exercise and eat, but people are social. So they do all these, they do all their bad habits with their family and peers under a system where the doctor just says, yeah, go away, eat less, stop smoking, don't drink as much and get some exercise. People are still on their own, they're, they're atomized. So I guess, um, yeah, people do need to take responsibility for themselves and make better choices. But I hope uh, as we go into the future, we'll be creating organizations to help people make friends while they take their choices into their own hands. We're about uh, two and a half minutes to midnight, uh, and I, I do just want to ask you: as you, as you, uh, as we've been discussing on an individual level, I think around the world, people are looking for alternatives. But the biosecurity state, right? The disease X, uh, vaccine passports—they're talking about that at Davos. That kind of freaks me out. That governments are still going to try to implement the, the, these biosecurity systems, you know. And you know, any thought on that, as well as any you know, final thought for us. Well, I mean, it freaks me out when I think about it too. So I've got my role, which is to try my best to enlighten people about this stuff using mainstream sources, uh, which is just my, I mean, I don't have anyone against people who doesn't, but that's just the way that I do it. So I get, get the ebook. You've got lots of copy and paste material. You can just copy it and then paste it and send it to your friends. Um, what what the security state? I guess that's that's your job to worry about. You do a show on that, and uh, hopefully uh, you do a good show on that, and you convince people that it's a bad idea. I'll worry about the pharmaceutical industry. You worry about the cybersecurity state. Oh man, the the, the vaccine. Yeah, I'm worried at some point. Um, and I was arguing about this with my family in Croatia in 2019. I was in Croatia. And back then, I was already talking about the EU's plan for a vaccine passport. Um, you know, again, coincidence that that they were planning it right before 2020. Um, but I'm afraid like we won't be able to get on a plane if we're not. It's going to be like Gattaca, mm -hmm. the movie with Ethan uh, Hawke mm -hmm. um, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, or, you know, if, if if you don't have the right uh, genes, uh, you won't be able to do uh, a lot of stuff, a two-tiered society. But I'll, all right, one minute um, left. Again, tell us your uh, websites. you got a whole bunch of them. DevonPharmaMyths.com. If you download the, it's the number seven. If you download the ebook, I'll subscribe you to my Substack automatically. And you can also subscribe if you don't want to stay subscribed. Other than that, be yourself and love it.com. If you've got problems and need someone to talk to, um, come and see Uncle Anthony for a consultation. Yeah, and uh, right. thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, awesome ch chatting. You're, you're welcome back anytime. Keep up the great work. Uh, I'm signing off. Steve Malzberg is up next. Uh, and uh, everyone have a wonderful weekend. Let's hope the Civil War does not begin in Texas. I, I hope not. <laughs>